Hey, Light Angles. Today is January 28th. My name is Jack, and welcome to your daily episode of The Light Angle. If this is your first time here, welcome. I'll be spending the next 5 to 15 minutes talking about some stuff going on in the world and incorporating scripture into it. Before we get into today's topic, just a quick reminder, please be sure to leave a five-star review, rate, like, subscribe, and whatever else you can do for us on the platform you're using to listen to the show. Here in the light angle, we try not to focus on the left or right angles, but rather try to find the light angle. We want to spread the good news of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, and use that knowledge to better deal with the negativity we find ourselves living in day to day. Your five-star review and sharing of this show with others helps us to better spread the light angle and the word of God. All right, so let me get into it. So uh, yesterday, did y'all celebrate? Did you all uh, remember what day it was? No, me neither. I forgot. And honestly, I didn't really know. Uh, But yesterday, January 27th, was Holocaust Remembrance Day why we must never forget. This is uh, coming from Fox News. So let me get into it. January 27th has been designated by the United Nations as International Holocaust Remembrance Day. The date was chosen because on January 27th, 1945, the infamous Nazi German slave labor camp and death camp Auschwitz was liberated by the Soviet army. The camp, actually, it was a complex of camps and work sites, was the designation for more than one designation for more than 1.3 million people arrested, deported, and enslaved by Hitler's regime. Beyond imagination, an estimated 1.1 million were murdered there, of whom 1 million were Jews from across Europe, and 100,000 were primarily Soviet prisoners of war, Polish Catholics, and Roma. Auschwitz was not the only killing site. Other camps included Belzec, Buchenwald, Buchenwald, Dachau, Mathewson, Sobibor, and Treblinka. In all, an estimated 6 million Jews, or two-thirds of European Jewry, were exterminated by Nazi Germany and its collaborators, whether in camps, forced marches, roundups, or other killing sites such as Babi Yar, a ravine in the outskirts of Kiev, Ukraine. The Holocaust defies imagination. Its aim was the final solution of the Jewish people. In pursuit of this goal, a new alphabet of genocide was created. From A for Auschwitz to Z for Zyklon B, the nerve gas used in the gas chambers. Every Jew was a target, including 1.5 million children. The Jews were pursued for one reason. They were Jews. And according to Adolf Hitler's demented worldview, all Jews had to be eliminated. 77 years after the war's end, why should these events still matter? First, to forget the past is to dishonor the memory of the victims. Those victims don't even have the dignity of graves. They only have us, and without us, who will remember not only their tragic fate, but also the vibrancy of their lives. Second, the Holocaust did not emerge from thin air. Rather, it came after centuries of anti-Semitism from blood libels to expulsions, from ghettos to inquisitions, from programs to forced conversions on European soil. The longevity, resilience, and lethality of what has been described as the world's oldest social (laughs) pathology, anti-Semitism, should never be underestimated. Third, prior to Hitler's seizure of power in 1933, Germany had experienced 14 years of democracy in a country widely viewed as among the most educated, cultured, and developed. But democracy proved fragile. Culture did not stop savagery and education proved no deterrent to brutality. 
Those sobering lessons mustn't be forgotten. And fourth, appeasement of Nazi Germany tried by Britain and France in the 1930s proved a failure. Not only did it not stop the German juggernaut, but instead encouraged it to become even more predatory towards Jews and more generally other European nations. As the legendary Winston Churchill said, an appeaser is someone who feeds the crocodile, believing they will be eaten last. In addition to remembrance, what are the other enduring imperatives from this era? It is important but insufficient to mourn murdered Jews. Tragically, they cannot be brought back to life. But Jews today, whether in the U.S. or abroad, face increased Jew hatred. According to FBI statistics, nearly 60% of all religiously motivated hate crimes are directed at Jews. 2% of the U.S. population... One cannot pay tribute to the memory of Holocaust victims without standing up against anti-Semitism in its multiple forms today. During the Holocaust, there was no Israel. Had there been, how many Jews might have found safe haven when so many countries around the world, including the U.S., shamefully turned their backs on the fate of the Jews desperate to escape? To be sure, Israel is an ancient idea born nearly 4,000 years ago. Its modern-day urgency was underscored by its absence when Jews needed it most. Fortunately, Israel now is a living reality, and a good percentage of its population are in fact Holocaust survivors and their descendants. The Holocaust did not begin in Auschwitz. It started with Nazi demonization and dehumanization of an entire people. It was followed by disenfranchisement and finally destruction of that people. In our pluralistic world, where hate is too often a prominent feature, the Holocaust slippery slope serves as a permanent reminder and warning of humankind's capacity for evil. As the war's liberators, eyewitnesses, and survivors succumb to age, who, if not us, will carry the enduring lessons of the Holocaust in a world de- desperately in need of daily reminders? Good article, and I'm glad it you know brought up something that, unfortunately, a lot of us have probably forgotten and even more probably didn't even know there was such a day. So if you missed it yesterday, do it today. Remember, you know, those Jews who lost their lives in World War II. There was a lot of them, over 6 million. So you're probably also, well, you may not be wondering, but I was wondering, okay, well, what about today? You know, is there still anti-Semitism? So just a little bit, maybe 20 minutes worth of actually Google searching (laughs) showed quite a bit, uh, quite a bit, and it's unfortunate. I'm going to bring some of that to your attention. So First of all, let me kind of put into perspective where Israel is and you know what they're surrounded by. So Israel, if you don't know, look it up on a map, but it's right smack dab in the Middle East, right? Well, I think we all knew that. You look at all the countries around it and they're all Islamic and Islam, you know, doesn't like Jews. In fact, you know, a lot of those Islamic countries for a long time have been fighting against Israel because they don't want them there. Um, in fact, if you go back in history, uh, Islam uh, actually, well, they had a pretty big empire. Believe it or not, their empire was g- bigger and longer in time than Rome. Uh, for 1,300 years, uh, the Islamic empire and the caliphate was there around, you know, surrounding Israel uh, and parts of the Middle East, parts of Eastern Europe and Western Asia. Uh, and today, uh, it's still there, even though 
Technically, the Islamic Caliphate ended in 1924 when uh, Mustafa Pasha, uh, he was in charge of the Caliphate in Turkey, and uh, he basically put an end to it. It doesn't mean Islam stopped. It just, you know, kind of was broken up. And if you don't know what the Caliphate is, imagine the Pope, the President, and the General all in one organization with no oversight of anyone. That's kind of what the Caliphate was. Uh, Ironically, and this is kind of straying from the conversation, but ironically, uh, there have been a lot of talks to uh, put the caliphate back together, and where else would it be where it ended in Turkey? So anyway, I'm straying from the conversation, but that's Israel surrounded by people who hate them, all right? So also with that, uh, right next door, Palestine, and if you remember, there was a lot of war and action and throwing of missiles between Palestine and Israel uh, last summer. And uh, Palestine, their uh, governing force is Hamas. So who is Hamas, you ask? Uh, Hamas is a uh, spinoff of the Palestinian branch of the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, which started off in the late 80s. Uh, The Islamic militant group Hamas took over the Gaza Strip after defeating its rival political party uh, in 2006. Uh, The United States and the European Union have designated Hamas as a terrorist organization. So right there next to Israel, uh, Palestine, whose governing body is Hamas, who just happens to be a terrorist organization, um, is armed mainly by Iran and is constantly fighting against Israel. So they're kind of, you know, leading the anti-Semitism cry at this point in time. Um, so you're probably thinking, well, Jack, why, why are you bringing all this up? You know, this isn't us for the United States. We love Israel. We love the Jews. We know what world war two was and it was horrible. (sighs) Well, unfortunately some of our elected officials don't feel the same way. Uh, and some of this might surprise you again. This was just a simple little search. And also, uh, just for reference, uh, the CFR.org is where I got the Hamas information from. CFR stands for Council on Foreign Relations. Uh, but moving forward to our own United States government, uh, here is an interesting tidbit. This is from Business Insider. I'm not going to read the whole article, but I think the title will tell you enough. Uh, Business uh, Insider. So $221 million Obama, President Obama, quietly sent to Palestine in his last hours in office, which was confirmed to have gone through. And so you can argue that Obama didn't send it to Hamas, but if Hamas is the governing body of Palestine, who would, who, who would he send the money to? Uh, I'm pretty sure he's not leaving it in buckets of cash for the Palestinian people on the streets. He probably sent it right to the government, government of Palestine, which is Hamas. So our own country gave Hamas, who is labeled as a terrorist organization, money. And Seeing as how Hamas is a military government, they probably use that money for weapons against Israel. Oh, it makes sense, right? I could read more and dig more into it and spend hours to find the facts, but at the end of the day, uh, I don't have that much time, and also it's pretty cut and dry. So you're saying, okay, whatever, Jack. President Obama's not in office anymore, and Trump came along and saved the day. Well, not really, but um, what about now? What about today? So... This is from Newsweek, and again, I'm not going to read the whole thing because there's a lot of political jargon, but there are a couple snippets that uh, brought my attention, or brought to my attention in reading all this. So uh, Newsweek uh, says, Representatives Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, also known as AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, uh, mind you, Omar is a 
Minnesota congresswoman. Tlaib is a congresswoman in Michigan. And also Cori Bush, uh, Missouri, uh, congressman, and Jamal Bowman of New York uh, are actually striving to move the Democratic Party and Biden's administration uh, Middle East policy in an alarming direction. First, these members of Congress are conflating America's struggle against racism with Israel's self-defense against more than 3,000 Iranian missiles flung by Hamas in Islamic Jihad from Gaza at Israeli civilians. After declaring his solidarity with various Hamas talking points on the Al-Asq Mosque, East Jerusalem, and the Gaza conflict, Congressman Bowman punctuated it all by tweeting, enough black on brown and brown bodies being brutalized and murdered by Israel. <sighs> And the article also goes on to say that um, the, <laughs> the official news outlet of the Muslim Brotherhood of Hamas praised these members of Congress in an article headlined, Democratic Representatives Demand the Protection of Palestinians from Zionist Attacks. <sighs> it goes on and on. And like I said, it's a lot of politi political bickering back and forth. But I just thought I would bring to attention that anti-Semitism is alive and well here in the world, around Israel, and unfortunately within our own country. And while, no, I'm not trying to make a direct correlation between some of our politicians to being Nazis and, you know, starting up a Holocaust and stuff like that, the fact of the matter is, is that God's own people are still persecuted to this day. We don't want to see it. Sometimes we don't want to believe it. And we don't want to think that the horrible atrocities that happened during World War II could happen again. But if the same hatred is still there in so many of us, then what's to say that those feelings, you know, aren't still alive and well? It's a little bit scary and it's very sad and it's super unfortunate. But anyway, just thought I would bring that to your attention. Sorry to rain on your Friday, but it's just something to think about, something to be aware of. So what does scripture say? Well, scripture starts out really early in the Bible, and it's really pretty simple. In Genesis 12, 3, it says, I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. One little sentence says so much. God is simply saying that, hey, Israel, I love you, and you know, you're going to mess up, and I'm going to bless you, though, who's, I'm going to bless you, and those who bless you, I'm going to bless them also. Those who dishonor you, I'm going to curse. And all the families of the earth shall be blessed. What he's really saying in Genesis is that, you know, giving us a little bit of prophecy to, you know, Jesus coming and Jesus, you know, giving salvation to the entire earth for those who choose it. It's crazy, but we were given fair warning and, you know, those words still stand strong today. All right, y'all pray with me. Father God, thank you for the blessings we receive each day. Many of us don't know or understand the fear and reality of persecution, war, death, famine, or countless other horrible things so many deal with on a daily basis. For those who do, I pray that you will deliver them from the horrors of life, give them comfort and courage when they have none, provide a way for them to escape from the evil that's pressed upon them, and allow those of us who have the ability to assist with their deliverance whether it be by our time, talent, or resources, use those abilities. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 
All right, that's it for today's episode of The Light Angle. But remember, we each have a purpose that's much greater than making a few extra dollars, feeding a tension, or getting the last word in on a social media post. It all starts with two simple things, loving our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. Hope always starts with a little light in the darkness.